Hi, this is Michelle Lee. And this is Donna Mills. You're listening to TV Confidential. And Robert's welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television. This happy to welcome Ms. Joan Van Ark. Joan Van Ark, the actress known around the world as Valley Ewing on Knots Landing. Knots Landing, the long-running CBS drama that recently marked its 40th anniversary on television. Our friends at the Hollywood Museum recently launched a new lobby exhibit honoring Knots Landing that features some of the costumes worn by Joan Van Ark, Michelle Lee, and Donna Mills. We'll talk to Joan about that. Joan also has a rich background in theater before and after Knots, including the National Touring Company, A Barefoot in the Park, opposite Richard Benjamin, and her Tony-nominated performance for The School of Wise. 2019-2020 also marks the 40th anniversary of the premiere of the Spider-Woman animated series, Spider-Woman, the first TV adaptation of a female comic book hero from Marvel Comics. Joan Van Ark was the voice of both Spider-Woman and her alter ego, Jessica Drew, and is one of many, many credits Joan has as a voice artist. We'll ask her about that as well. In the meantime, we began our conversation by talking to Joan about her background in theater in general, and particularly the theater scene in Los Angeles. I moved down here about 10 years ago. I had not realized there are a lot more theaters in Los Angeles than, than most people realize. Oh, totally, 100% true. I did so many things when we first moved here at the, uh, lucky for me, at the Music Center, at the Taper, and at the Amundsen. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the beginnings, in a way, because that was New York minds and New York actors, uh, you know, doing product. But now, it's a workshop, and it's, there's, I think there's as much theater here, though they may be smaller on the radar, mm -hmm. than there even are in New York, because lots of young actors work out in a lot of these places, and name actors are involved in things like the Pasadena Playhouse and uh, Pacific, what is that thing that uh, Allie Mills and uh, Orson Bean, they were... Oh, yes, the Pacific Resident Theater in Venice. Uh, yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. There's lots of spots. I did a couple things, too, at the Geffen. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a lot out here for an actor to stay what I call warm, and more than warm, because stage is the real deal. Absolutely, because the one thing, and you know this way better than I do, but the, the one thing that uh, doing a, a play will give you uh, that doing a film or doing a television show or doing voice recording doesn't always give you is that immediate audience feedback. The, 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 oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Because you, the actor, are right. You know, you're in the zone and have to be in the zone. And you feel that, you know, it's a shared experience where uh, sometimes on a set, you know, you can go and redo and redo or, you know, tweak or whatever thing. You've got to be in the zone and, and you inevitably are so aware of the feedback from the audience. You can feel it. And I, I understand that whenever you can, you make it a point to try to do at least one play a year. Oh, I do. I do. But I haven't actually... In the recent past, I haven't. I think the last thing I did was at Hartford Stage, which, by the way, is no slouch in terms of, you know, the actors that go there to do work. Because any theater back east has the DNA and the history of being a an arena for really fine actors and acting, and they can get a lot of people out of New York. So that sort of, you know, ups your requires you to up your game, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> as a rule. 
when a part comes your way or when you pursue a part, uh, does, does what you look for, I mean, what do you look for and does what you look for today, is that the different or is that essentially the same as it was uh, throughout your career? Well, if I read a script and, the, and I know right away, and it's even with voiceover copy, um, I, I get a feeling, I think, oh, I see her. Well, I, I know her. Not no meaning, oh, she's somebody in my life or anything. It's, it's that I, I have an idea for this, or I, you know, oh, yes, I wanted to welcome be somebody from Brooklyn <laughs> or something like that or whatever. I right away when I, when I read it, I hear her. Mm-hmm. I see her, kind of, at least my take. And when that speaks to me, then I know, ooh, I'd like to try this. I'd like to. I'd like to go there. Not always do I get the opportunity, but I mean, it always speaks to me. So that that would be true in almost any piece of copy or any script or any character that comes toward me. I immediately get a vision, and it's often not what the director. You know, in the room, you may uh, or on the set, you you may get another vibe from the director or something else, and so you've got to be facile enough to change that. But. If the role speaks to me, I'm excited. It's like I've always wanted to do a biker. At, at this point, it'd be a biker grandma. Yeah. But a biker, you know, something. Uh, Katie Segal did it in uh, that wonderful show that her husband, uh, I think it's, it's some Keith Sutter or uh, he. Kirk, Kirk Sutter uh, for Kirk, FX. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. And and she did a whole version of that. It's it's stretching now too, where you'd think uh, this isn't something. I would normally maybe do, but it uh, it's unexpected. It's when an actor does a role or a part that's unexpected. Uh, Meryl Streep's a master at that, and and more so lately. She'll take not chances because she can't fail. She's flawless, but um, she she does unexpected things, and that's dazzling to me as an actress, as an inspiration, and just to watch the skill that an actress will take, you know, a role. Well, you're dazzling, if I may say so, Joan Van Ark, and you're certainly flawless. Joan Van Ark is on the line with us. Joan Van Ark, the actress known around the world as Valine Ewing on Not Landing. Our friends at the Hollywood Museum recently launched a new lobby exhibit honoring the 40th anniversary of Not Landing that features some of the costumes worn by Joan Van Ark, Michelle Lee, and Donna Mills. The Not Landing exhibit on display through Wednesday, April 1st. For more information, the Hollywood Museum dot com the hollywoodmuseum.com if i remember correctly one of the dresses on display is a paisley dress uh that uh, valine wore and it, there's also a more glamorous dress and in, in a way that kind of those two those two bits of costumes kind of in a nutshell illustrate the arc that val went through from the beginning of the show to the end of your ten- tenure on the show bravo for you on that bravo because that in fact that didn't occur to me because we've done we did a gala there about three weeks ago mm-hmm. or so when the uh, museum opened with our costumes and with the three of us Joan Donna and Michelle uh, but that that actually is is correct and I never thought of it that way but the wardrobe does um, illustrate the arc of the of the character that I did of Valine whom I adore because I lived with her for what 13 14 years yeah and I, I know from talking to other actresses, uh, actors and actresses who come from a stage background, you always look to play as many different characters as possible. But when you're given a chance to play a character 
and work with writers and work with producers who understand the, how important it is for that character to grow uh, from season one to season three to what, whatever. I would imagine that's a great thing for you as an actress, something for you to sink your teeth into. Well, let me tell you, uh, that's 100% true and very well said because that was one of the golden nuggets of working on knots for that many years because most series don't go that long, the distance of 14 mm -hmm. years. And what we had was open uh, creative uh, trade and collaboration uh, on knots where if we got a script for the upcoming episode to be filmed, say, next week, and we saw something that didn't seem right or didn't, wasn't what our instinct was for our character. The door was always open to David Jacobs' office, to Michael Feilerman's office, and to the writing staff to talk about that and, and make it right. And that makes it so fulfilling to everybody. That's a full meal because you get to reject the stuff that you think, nah, maybe not, and, and pile on what you think is Correct. Donna did that a lot with uh, Abby, the character she played. Michelle for sure did because she was sort of the center flame of doing the right thing. And Valine, with all her ups and downs and craziness and, and wonderfulness that I thought as an actress I got to play, um, the door was always open to trade thoughts and experiences and instincts for that character. The Knott's Landing exhibit, uh, lobby exhibit at the Hollywood Museum on display through Wednesday, April 1st, uh, thehollywoodmuseum.com to keep up with Joan Van Ark, our guest, joanvanark.com. You mentioned Michael Feilerman. My understanding was he, what, one of the things that made him unusual for TV producers, but which endeared him to you and Michelle and Donna and all your other castmates on Knott's Landing, was Michael Feilerman was a man from a theater background. Oh, oh yes. Oh, you are so, so, so right with that, too. He, his, his love, he invested in so many, in so many plays, too, back on Broadway which I've been blessed enough to have, uh, as I can recall, three Broadway efforts. And he was a part of that world very definitely and contributed to it financially many, many times, was one of the angels for any number of plays back east. So he, I feel, in large part, was the catalyst for getting the one and only Julie Harris. I'm nodding my head. Oh, my goodness. Five Tony... Uh, awards for this woman and uh, the irony is that I had interviewed her when I was a teenager growing up in uh, Boulder Colorado mm -hmm. I interviewed her when she went through Denver with a uh, play I believe it was called the warm peninsula I interviewed her for the Rocky Mountain News because my father was a, a, a publicist and was a writer and uh, did photography and all kinds of uh, contributions for uh, life and time magazine and all that so I interviewed Julie um, he knew her and, of course, knew of her career, and I feel he was a large part of getting Julie to say yes to play my mother on Knott's Landing and talk about the gift of an actor's lifetime. That was it for me. I couldn't believe that's who they had chosen. You may have just touched on this. Were, th were there moments when you first started working with Julie Harris? Were there moments, Joan, when you felt, oh, my God, 
I'm working with Julie Harris, uh, you know, someone you know, I, I interviewed when I was a kid, someone whose career I've always admired. Were there moments where you had, oh, my God, moments, or, or, or was it, you know, she's a professional, I'm a professional, we're both on the same plane? Well, I think by the time we got to the set and we were doing it, that didn't hit me. It hit me before she became part of the family, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So those moments, I mean, I felt I needed to bring everything I had to trade the level that she presented when she was there on the set and doing Lily Mae. Because, I mean, she's, she was talking very much with a Southern uh, accent, and it was much more like, you know, she has this sort of gravelly voice. And so she would bring that instrument. And so by the time I got to the set, it was, uh, it was you know, roll up your sleeves, let's, let's get going. But before that, and, and in between times, and hugs and... Uh, I don't know, trading time in the makeup trailer when we're all getting ready and it's girl talk and uh, and running lines of the scene, all kinds of... That's when it would hit me like, look at who I'm with. Look at this. You know, she's Joan of Arc, the mm-hmm. Lark. That's one of her... She, you know, that was one of... And my, that's my namesake. Mm-hmm. Joan Van Arc mm-hmm. means Joan of Arc in Dutch. And my Dutch father always said, my firstborn... Uh, female, child, girl, um, I'm going to name her Joan because it'll look great. The name will look great in lights, he, it, meaning the marquee above mm-hmm. the theater, never knowing as I was born that, in fact, I would, you know, become an actress. And I did Barefoot in the Park in London, and at the Piccadilly Circus Theater, I stood under the marquee for my dad to see this photo, and it said Joan Van Ark in Barefoot in the Park. And I sent him that photo, which I have down in my office, because I wanted to show him I fulfilled his dream, his image. Joan Van Ark is on the line with us. Joan Van Ark, uh, the actress known around the world as Valine Ewing on Knott's Landing, also a Tony-nominated actress for her performance in The School of Wives, and uh, uh, she co-starred opposite Richard Benjamin in the national production of Barefoot in the Park, the Hollywood Museum lobby exhibit honoring the 40th anniversary of Knott's Landing on display through Wednesday, April 1st, thehollywoodmuseum.com. For more on Joan, keep up with Joan, joanvanark.com. Calm. This is a fluke of the calendar. This is not only the 40th anniversary of Knott's Landing, but this is 2019-2020 uh, is also the 40th anniversary of the premiere of the Spider-Woman animated cartoon series. Joan, uh, we've touched on Joan's background as a voice artist. Joan was the voice of both Jessica Drew and Spider-Woman, and Spider-Woman is now available through the Disney Plus streaming app. One thing I want to ask you, uh, just just in general, because you, you've given our listeners a little taste of some of the different voices in your bag of voices. Did you always have a bag of voices, Joan? Did that some, was that something you cultivated or discovered? No, actually, a uh, Faye Dunaway's manager, I don't know, maybe in a phone conversation and why I was talking to him, I don't know, maybe he was working with me. That probably was it when I did Barefoot in the Park on Broadway. But I was talking maybe just like I am now uh, on the phone, and he heard a sound, and he said, you know, you should be doing voiceovers. And I didn't even know what that was. You know, this was Barefoot in the Park on Broadway was my first really big, uh, what, appearance, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. I think I was like 19 or 20 or 21 years old. And so he sent me out on an audition. I don't even remember what the product was, but I got the, I got the part. 
on the first audition. And it was like, what? What is this world? What is this? And so it kind of just came out of nowhere and developed into something that has been a large part of my work and my life. So I'm, I'm guessing, okay, you didn't quote-unquote set out to do, uh, enter voice? No, vo- not at percent. all. No, just because we had been talking. And you know, one thing that was true, Barefoot in the Park in any Broadway run for an, any actor is an eight-performance-a-week assignment. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's I a, don't care if it's a drain. It's 18, it, 19, or 20. Yeah. It's a killer. Yeah. And I think my voice was a little bit hoarse. But, you know, scratchy, which they all love, that what I call that perfume sound, because I did Estee Lauder um, voiceovers for something like uh, 10 or 12 years, and it was all their 30 and one-minute uh, commercials on television. Huge job, and they would fly me back from L.A. to the New York City, to put me up at the plaza. I would save my per diem money and go downstairs to Henry Bendel's, which is a very chic, wonderful store, and buy boots, which I love and live in, never ate the, you know, never used the money on food, used it to buy new wardrobe downstairs, and I did two days worth of voiceovers, but um, that was, you know, Estee Lauder commercials, all kinds of uh, perfume sounds, Estee Lauder lips, (laughs) water eyes, the Estee Lauder woman. You know, you had to kind of, you know, grab your, uh, have it in the back of your throat and and do this very sort of, I think, New York voice. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did for something like 10 or 12 years. And it's been a reward and a treat, and and that job for sure wasn't a reward. And it is certainly a treat for us to spend some time today with Joan Van Ark. Joan Van Ark, the actress known around the world as Valing Ewing on Knott's Landing. We'll take a quick time out, then we'll talk some more with Joan when we come back on TV Confidential. Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home your car, your drivers and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-649-0142. 800-649-0142. 800-649-0142. That's 800-649-0142. An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 866-490-3991. 866-490-3991. 866-490-3991. 
Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contract. Our experienced partners are offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. You'll never pay another timeshare maintenance bill again, and all your obligations will be terminated. You can begin saving today. Even if you've tried another company to get rid of your timeshare, call and see if we can help you. At the Timeshare Exit Hotline, we only accept payment after an agreement has been made to get you out of your timeshare. Make this complimentary free call and learn how our honest partners can help anyone, anywhere, legally get out of their timeshare nightmare. 800-715-6093-800-715-6093-800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit the subscribe button This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.